Good morning, welcome everybody. If you don't know me, my name is Mark. I'm part of the church family here. I'm married to the beautiful Sarah. I have three beautiful daughters, three handsome son-in-laws, and four soon-to-be-five glorious grandchildren, which makes me um, blessed and busy. If you have your Bibles with you, would you turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verses 9 to 10? In fact, does somebody have a real Bible? Anybody got a real Bible? From a real Bible? Yeah, I want you to come and read it. Sorry, I know you're eating the cake, but um, <laughs> come and read 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 to 10. Folks are going to hear enough of me. Let's, um, probably they haven't heard enough of you because you sound much better than me. Okay. 1 Chronicles 4. Amplified. That's, we don't need a microphone for that. Do you? Tremendous that was, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 that's great. Yeah, it's only two verses. Jabez, or Jabez, was more honorable than his brothers, but his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I gave birth to him in pain. That's right, right? All right. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would indeed bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand would be with me, and you would keep me from evil so that it does not hurt me. And God granted his request. Thanks, Dan. That's about all you get to hear about Jabez. Hands up if you've heard of Jabez before. It's not, it's not, not right or wrong here, just interested. Okay. Jabez is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Because he and I ended up, without me realizing it, having quite a lot in common. It says in the genealogies in, in 1 Chronicles 4 that his mother called him sorrow bringer or pain because when she gave birth to him, she felt that's what he brought. The beautiful thing about Jabez is that he decided it was possible to write a different and a better story for himself. And so the story of Jabez is that he called on God and said, bless me. Because he didn't want to live with the narrative that had been declared over him by his mum. When I was 15, I was um, what you might call a product of a broken home. After two years of legal battles, which ended up in the high court for custody of myself and my brother and my sister... My evidence became quite crucial in the decision the courts made as to who should have custody of, of us, the kids. And um, my mum's barrister was appointed to discredit my testimony. I was 15. And the way he did that was he stood up in court and he discredited me by dismantling me bit by bit. Because his job was to convince the judge that I was a liar. I had to listen to that testimony, and then I had to leave court, and then I had to leave home. And all I took with me that day was a black bin bag. My story begins with a black bin bag that all I had in it came with me out of that house. And my mum and her aunt were shouting at me that they were going to disinherit me because of what I had said 
and what I had done. My social worker, as he was walking out of that house, said to me this, Mark, don't let this define you. In other words, what he was saying to me was, this doesn't have to be your story. You can write a different and a better story. Two years later, somebody told me God loved me, and I said to them, if he does, he has a very funny way of showing it to me. Because the life he handed me was pretty painful and pretty ugly. But eventually, the love of God overtook me. And I realized, like Jabez, that I could write a different and a better story. And so my story began with a black bin bag and the rubble of a broken home, but ends up with a beautiful and happy marriage, a wonderful family, and four soon-to-be-five grandchildren. I want you to know this morning, whoever you are, that it's possible for you to write a different and a better story. Because not only is Jesus the storyteller, he is the editor-in-chief and the co-author of the story that you are writing. Lizette shared with us last week beautifully, and one of the things she said was, what is the story that is written on your life as a living letter? I want to ask you this question today, every single one of you, whoever you are. Not so much what is the story written on your life, but what is the story that is your life? Every person, every organization, every family, charity, church, and business has a narrative, a story. I'm asking you in this moment, what is your story? Because we all have one. Parents, whether you realize it or not, you're authors. The moment you create a baby and bring a baby into the world, you have created a brand new story that you get to co-author and create. It's exciting. We're all writers. We have this thing which we didn't do today called Our Church, My Story. It's a beautiful part of our worship service. Am I allowed to say I probably enjoy that as much as all the rest of it. <clears throat> the reason that we do that is because this might be our church, but we all have a my story. And stories are written to be read and written to be told. And so we devote some part of this microphone and some part of this platform to sharing with each other our stories. What is the story that is your life? You're in the middle of it right now. Whether it's exactly the middle, who knows? But it's between the beginning and the end. So somewhere between the beginning and the end, there's an in-between bit called the middle. Every single one of us right now is in the middle of our story. It's begun, but it's not finished. What is your story.
Stories are incredibly powerful assets. It's why Jesus told so many stories. You might not remember my three-point sermon. Not that I've got one today. But you might remember my story. You might remember that bin bag. Some of you have heard me talk about that bin bag before, and you remembered it last time. Stories are powerful. They do at least three things. Your story helps you to make sense of your past. Corrie ten Boom said, life is like a tapestry. Viewed from one side, it's a tangled thread of web of threads. Flip it over, and it's a gloriously, beautifully designed tapestry created by him. Your story allows you to take the tangled web of threads and see them in a completely different light. Make sense of your past. It's what I did with my past. It wasn't going to define me, but I was sure as anything going to make sure I included it in my future by creating a new and a better story for myself. It's what Jabez did. So stories are powerful because they help us to make sense of our past. They also help to explain where we are today. How did I get here? How did you get here in this room today? There's a narrative that goes with that. There's a story behind the fact you're sitting in that chair today that helps you to make sense of why you are where you are today. But perhaps one of the most powerful things about storytelling is they help you to shape your future. Storytelling is one of the steps to strategy building. I use it with IT startups, just as an aside. I help IT startups to create strategies, and I do it by having them tell me their story. What's your story, and how do you want it to continue? That is called strategy. It's your future by design. It's powerful. But the most important thing about a story, excuse me, I'm rubbish at this. I'll get told off for saying that now as well, but never mind. Chris, I'm waiting. It's okay. You'll see me afterwards. I never get to top off. Anyway, I'm distracted. One of the most powerful things about a story is the story that you tell yourself. When I say to you now, what is the story that is your life? What I'm also saying to you is, what is the story that you are telling yourself now about yourself. It's the most powerful narrative that you will ever write or read, the story that you are telling yourself. Let me just give you, there are many examples, but the power of storytelling. So the Israelites are gonna go into the promised land and they decide to send in 12 spies to see what it's going to look like. 12 go in, they all come back. They all come back with a story. You know the story of this story? Ten of them come back and say, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. The pomegranates are bigger than Aldi. Um, but there are fortified cities and there are giants in the land, and there are Amalekites there. Um, and they begin to tell themselves a story, and then they tell the community that story. On the other side of the squeaky platform, there is Caleb and Joshua, 
who come back with a completely different story, which is the land is flowing with milk and honey, the pomegranates are bigger than Waitrose, and we can surely take this land. God is with us. The power of that story is this, that the ten outgunned two, and their story became the story of the community, and that cost them 40 years in their lives. Because God said, based on that story, we ain't going anywhere, and neither are you. We're going to wait for you all to die, and then we'll go in with the two guys who told a different and better story. It's the power of a story in our individual and corporate lives. Another beautiful example is Lazarus. Do you remember Lazarus in John 11? He was Jesus' friend and he died. Jesus found out he was dying and decided to stay where he was so that he did die. And in John 11, Jesus returns to the town. And when he gets to the town, Martha comes out to meet him. And Martha is telling herself a story. And she shares this story with Jesus. She says to Jesus, if only you had been here, he would still be alive. She's created a narrative around this, chat, this issue, and it's basically the narrative, Jesus is late. So Jesus is the, is the editor-in-chief of all stories, right? So what Jesus does now, if you listen this, very carefully, is he starts to edit her story. He's thinking to himself, this is not the story that I'm telling you are, you need a different and a better story. So he says to her, Martha, Lazarus will rise again. What she does, she creates another narrative. She goes, well, of course he's going to rise again on the last day. One day, it'll be fine. My narrative has now gone from you are late to it's going to be amazing in about a million gazillion years time, Jesus, because of course he's going to rise from the dead. And then Jesus, the editor-in-chief of all stories, just inserts the punchline into this narrative which says, Martha, I am. And he catapults her narrative into the present tense and he raises Lazarus from the dead. It's a beautiful example of how to create a different story. The Emmaus Road is another great example of Jesus, the storyteller and editor-in-chief of our story. There's the disappointed disciples that, that description ever apply to anybody out there? Disappointed disciple? Just listen to yourself on record. What story now am I telling myself in my disappointed disciple state? Jesus, he was amazing. We thought he was going to be the answer to all our problems. And then they went and killed him. There's people around here saying that he's still alive, but we're so wedded to our narrative of he's dead that we're not even thinking and believing a word they're saying. You know, they're down in the dumps. There's these really smart women who are out there saying, guys, he's still alive. And these blokes, classic bloke thing, right? You know, I'm in a grump, but nothing you'll say is going to change the way I'm feeling right now. He's alive. And they say to Jesus, well, it was good while it lasted, but it's over now. And these women are saying he's still alive, but we don't know. And Jesus decides to give them a different narrative. And this one is the whole Bible, right? So now he's going to change their story they're telling themselves by telling them all about himself. Jesus is wonderful at interrupting stories, particularly the ones you're telling yourself right now. Jesus, I pray that you would just be in this room everywhere right now, 
interrupting everybody's story, saying, excuse me, I'm here. You see, the amazing thing about Martha and the disappointed disciples was they confused the end of the chapter with the end of the story. Do you know what? I am, I'm, I'm brilliant at that. But that's it. The end. Roll the credits. It's over. Jesus is a beautiful way of getting alongside you at the end of what you thought was the end of the book. Basically to remind you it's just the end of a chapter. And to open up, flick, can you hear the page, Rusty? Chapter, next chapter, let's talk about, never mind why, let's talk about what next. One of the wonderful ways he translates our narratives is he gives us different questions to ask. Stop worrying about why. You can anchor yourself to why forever. Or you could say, what's next? New chapter. What next? So, I'm nearly done. Some people around here are going to be really excited about that thought. Because that means we're done early. So often from platforms, we get given answers. Sometimes to questions none of us are asking. Today, I want to give you questions. The answers are entirely up to you. Question number one. What is your story? What's the story you're telling yourself right now about yourself? That was probably 1A and 1B, wasn't it? Two for the price of one. Which character do you like to play in your story? There are some options. You can be the hero if you want. I am the hero of my story, always. I tried that once, it nearly killed me. But equally, you could decide, I'm always the bad guy, I'm the villain. I'm always getting it wrong, doing it wrong. So you create a narrative about yourself, which is, I'm always wrong. Such a disabling and deceitful role for any of us to adopt. See, the narrative we tell ourselves about ourselves matters. You could decide to be always the bridesmaid and never the bride in your narrative. Never be the leading lady. Always be the meat cute. If you know which film I'm referring to, you'll know which that is. You can be the success of your own story. Or you can choose to give yourself a narrative that says, I'm a failure. You see... Jabez and I both decided that no matter what anybody had said to us, no matter what our parents had spoken over us, we were going to create a new narrative, a new story, by giving ourselves a new part to play. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus is not just the editor-in-chief, he's the director, producer, and every other kind of role in the story too. I wish I knew more about storytelling and filmmaking, but anyway... Um, 
So we get to decide, which character am I going to be? I think you should decide to let Jesus be the hero and you just be the main part. Just be the main part. Every story has somebody who needs a hero and every story has a hero. Our narrative is he's the hero and we're the ones who need help. But we're not failures and we're not villains. Really test your narrative about yourself to make sure you're saying the right things about yourself to yourself. Sarah's always editing my narrative. Because I've been practicing it for 53 years and I'm still not even sure how old I am. Or what my narrative should really be. So we need our help with this. Help each other with your narrative. So questions. What is the story that you're telling yourself about yourself? Which character? Who do you want to play? Define yourself in this story. Number three is, wherever you are today, how do you want your story to continue from this moment on? Now, this is where some of us will get a little bit uncomfortable. But I need you to understand something really important. You have not been handed a script. You have been given a pen. I've just wiped everybody out with that thought, is it? You can spend, Christians spend lifetimes trying to discover the will of God as if it's a script that they have to somehow learn. Where all along, Jesus has handed you a pen because you get to, you get to co-author, to co-write your story. It's not a script. Now, some of you will be going like, well, yeah, but I don't get to choose everything that happens to me in my story. You know, you bet you don't. I certainly didn't. But you do get to choose what you do with it. And that's the powerful bit. The moment you decide you're not following somebody else's script and you pick up a pen, you become powerful. You stop being the victim in your story and you start becoming the author of it. It's amazing. I had a picture somewhere. I don't know if that picture is, is anywhere, but it, it, this is the point. This, is, this was done by a friend of mine, um, an artist who's in, in, a, in King's Church in Manchester. And she put it up many years ago, and I texted her and said, Could I borrow this image? It's very simple, very simple. But it kind of speaks to the point I'm making here, which is you don't have a script, you have a pen. But you get to co author, co write your story with Jesus, the storyteller, and it's beautiful. And it's powerful. So when I say to you, how do you want the story to continue? What I'm really inviting you to do is to pick up the pen. So right now, every single one of us has a past, a present, and a future. And what I'm saying is that Jesus, the great storyteller and editor-in-chief, wants to get alongside you and create a narrative for your life, a story for your life, that explains and makes sense of your past, explains and makes sense of where you are today, but allows you to be really intentional about creating the sort of future that you want to have. And when you do that, and if you do that, because I can't do it for you, 
you will be echoing the life of Jabez, who said, my name might be sorrow bringer and pain maker, but God, would you bless me and enlarge my territory and be with me and keep me safe? And the simple end of that two-verse story is this, and God did what he said, did what he asked him to, and the Lord will do the same for you. You see, Jabez was born not just into a family, but he was born into a tribe. And his tribe was Judah, and Judah means praise. And what Jabez did, I think, without necessarily realizing is it, he accessed an inheritance that wasn't handed to him by his parents, but by his ancestors, his family. I discovered in my family tree a bunch of beautiful Christians. They were all Methodists, but they were like two or three generations before my parents. And I didn't know they existed until I found them out. And I suddenly realized that Jabez and I had even more in common than I thought. Because when I asked Jesus to interrupt the narrative of my life, he was releasing to me an inheritance that had skipped two or three generations. And I just want to say this to you, that the moment you become a Christian, you have access to inheritance that's nothing to do with who your mum and dad are or were, or whatever they did or didn't say to you, or whatever they did give or didn't give you. You have an access to inheritance that Jesus died for, and you get adopted into a family, and you get the right to become a co-heir, not just a co-author. There's a beautiful song, which I am not going to sing, called Blessed Assurance. The chorus is, this is my story, this is my song. Some of you all know it, right? The first verse is, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of the Spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, and this is my song. And I would sing it if I could. But what Fanny Crosby was capturing, 1873 that song was written, she was rejoicing about the fact that her story was about the fact that when Jesus interrupted the narrative of her life, she found she had access to riches beyond anything she could ever imagine. <clears throat> right, I'm done. Just to say, I don't mean that in a frivolous way, but I bought 200 Bic pens. I wanted to get them posher pens and inscribed, and I just didn't have time, so forgive me for that. I hope there's enough pens. If you don't get a pen and you need one, let me know, right? It's a big pen. Sorry about that. But it's a pen. And if, if I just wanted to say to you, if, if anything I said you connected to that makes you want to become the author of your own story and create a future that's not shaped by and limited by your past, then pick up a big pen. I've prayed over these pens with that image in mind that as you pick the pen up, the hand of Jesus, the co-author and editor-in-chief, would grab yours, and together you would get the beautiful privilege to continue to write your own story. It'll take courage. It will require bags of imagination. And you won't be able to do it on your own. But let me tell you, 
on behalf of Sarah and I who are writing our own story every day. It is the best way and really the only way to live. And it's what he died for. Just going to pray for you if I can and then I'll get Lizette to come up and send us on our way.